This is the Washington State Indivisible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephan Cox. Hey, gang. So we are busily preparing for our town hall next week, all about the GOP-led attacks on our schools and our school boards here in the state and also across the country. And especially we're going to be talking about how we fight back against that. Uh, it's really, I'm, I'm very, very excited, I think is maybe the wrong word, uh, but I think this is an incredibly, incredibly important topic. And uh, I really hope that you uh, will either be there in attendance or will catch the replay of this. So that uh, is happening on Tuesday at 7 p.m. And of course, the replay will be available in perpetuity. Uh, instead, this week, we're going to be running one of our most popular episodes uh, recently. This is a discussion that we had with the chair of the Washington State Democrats, Tina Podlodowski. If you happen to need a pick-me-up right now and you have not heard this episode yet, or you know, even if you, can't, even if you have, um, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, I listen to it from time to time. It makes me feel better. Uh, but before we get to that, I do want to take a moment and acknowledge what is happening in Ukraine and to just talk a, a moment or two about how what is happening there is very, very tied in with the work that we are all doing, not just to save our democracy, but the very existence of democracy around the planet. And uh, I will mention that I do have a list of things that we can do to help, including an event happening this weekend in Seattle in support of the people of Ukraine. So stay tuned for that. Um, But I want to start by affirming something that I didn't think would need affirming not so long ago, and maybe not even in my lifetime. We believe in representative democracy. That is what we are doing here. And I think for a a long time now, we've felt isolated in the fight for that. Or maybe we were just the only ones who were awake to just how severe the threat to democracy is. But what we have seen over the last week is, for me anyway, just incredibly affirming. We have seen the planet's formal and informal alliances of democratic nations pull together in a way that we haven't maybe seen in our lifetime. They're pulling together and they're standing up to authoritarianism. And maybe more importantly, we have seen the citizens and leaders of a nation fight for the existence of their democracy harder than anybody expected that they could. I mean, certainly more than Putin expected, more than the oligarchs, more than the multinational banks, more than the social media giants, and definitely more than the MAGA right. They hoped that Ukraine would just fold. They hoped that NATO would fracture. They hoped that nobody was going to be there to stand up for democracy, and they were wrong. Now, I am guessing that, like me, you have been very, very heartened by Biden's leadership here. He is reminding us that, our, and he's reminding the world, that American leadership matters. And that it is so important to have leadership here that actually believes in democracy and to not have leaders that don't. And so that means that our fight, the fight that we are engaged in now as indivisibles, is global. We, every single one of us in Indivisible, knows just how important it is to keep this leadership in place, to elect and reelect Democrats who will keep our democracy alive. Because this is a fight now between democracy and authoritarianism. There are two sides. And we know which side we're on. And we are going to do the work this fall to win. And we now know that the world is on our side. So as I mentioned, there are a number of things that you can do in support of Ukraine. This Saturday, there is a march for Ukraine in Seattle. It starts at 2 p.m. at City Hall, and it marches to the Mural Amphitheater for a rally. I will also have a very long list of resources for other things that you can do in support of Ukraine in the show notes. And with that, I will now uh, turn you over to the replay of my discussion with Tina Podlodowski. 
So it is no secret that this year's midterm election is going to be tough. Uh, We know that we are facing headwinds. It's going to be a ton of work. And just like in 2018 and 2020, we know that the stakes could not be higher. And many of us here in Washington are now wondering where we can best put our time and our energy this year. And I'm just going to acknowledge that I know a lot of us are feeling demoralized and daunted right now. So I have brought on the very best person that I can think of to address all of this. Tina Podlodowski is, of course, the chair of the Washington State Democrats, and we are always so glad that she could join us. Hello, Tina. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for the invitation to be here. I have missed you. I have missed everybody in the state of Washington, and I am so excited to get us going for 2022. Well, as I say, I couldn't think of somebody better to talk to about this, this very thing. And we know that there's so much to do here. Um, I, I want to kind of start by talking about the stakes a little bit here, because, you know, so many we, we're all just incredibly aware of how crucial this year's midterm elections uh, are going to be. But I'm curious to get your take specifically. How are you thinking about the stakes, both at the, at the federal and also here at the state level? Sure. I mean, um, right before the end of the year, I had a chance to spend a week in Charleston, South Carolina, with all of my fellow state party chairs, uh, Democratic ones, of course. And uh, we had a lot of conversations about this and where we were at and what we needed to do. I mean, 2022 to me is really about people standing up for democracy and the things that they care about. You know, I have a little ritual at the beginning of every new year. I am a rent head. I love the musical Rent. So I do play the musical. And of course, best song, Seasons of Love, every year, 529,600 minutes. What are you going to do? How are you going to measure that? For me, it's about how do you measure it and put love out there in the in uh, this focus on hate and lies and othering other people. I mean, it's a love of country, right, in the United States and the possibility of what this country can be, because we still haven't realized that for everyone who lives here. With love of the people, our friends, our family, folks who are out there doing this work, people who are suffering because of the pandemic and subsequent economic conditions. I mean, all of those things are like, What can we do? How do we take the stakes? And instead of, you know, listening to all the dour sorts of things that are out there and all the hate speech that's out there, how do we flip that? How do we show our empathetic side? How do we show the love in these different places? How do we reach out as opposed to close down? Because, of course, the reaction is going to be in a situation like this to close down, to protect ourselves, to, you know. But to me, it's about how do we open up even more? So, I'm excited to see what happens and who steps up for our democracy. This is obviously a turbulent time in our in our nation, in our state, in our cities, communities, our families. Um, But we need to be able to step up and come out of that in a place of love. You know, I've been doing this since 2017 as a state party chair. Think about the things that we've accomplished here just in Washington state. You know, my favorite 10-year challenge, and that's up on Facebook for all of these folks, these pictures for 10 years. Well, I put up one. It was a picture of Dave Reichert and then a picture of uh, uh, Kim Schreier. And that was my favorite picture (laughs) of those things. And to me, that's just an example of how things have changed. You know, we elected the most diverse state legislature in Washington state in 2018. We did it again in 2020. We're doing it again in 2022. We have so many opportunities there. So I think it, don't get, let's not get caught up in the things that uh, are, are wrong. Let's ca- get caught up in the details of how we can make change. That's what excites me every single day. And if you think about what Democrats have accomplished, 
um, just even here at the state legislature in a really short period of time. Things like the Universal Healthcare Commission, um, you know, looking at, at Washington state tax system, the most unfair, regressive tax code of any state in the nation. Look at what we're doing in terms of capital gains tax changes, what what's Representative Noel Frame has been championing in terms of a wealth tax around things like public broadband, voting rights here in Washington state, you know, money into helping folks care for things like wildfires and other places. There is so much that's on the table. There is so much there to help folks. I just want to say, take a minute, take a deep breath, center yourself. I look, I think about every activist and I can't wait to get back on the road and just, you know, be in Wenatchee and be in Dayton and be in, you know, all these places across the state and just hug people and remind them who they are, what they've accomplished and how we get to move forward. Well, this is going swimmingly, Tina. Honestly, I feel we, we just end right there. I feel buoyed up already. And plus that, and I think you and my wife should have a rent sing-along. She is similarly. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. Let's, we'll bookmark that. Maybe okay. we can raise a, raise a few bucks for indivisible Washington state that way. I'm more than happy to do it. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it. We should, Actually, I think we should totally make that happen. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned uh, Dr. Kim Schreier replacing uh, Dave uh, Reichert. And so let's, let's t- start by talking about the work that we need to do here uh, in Washington and particularly in my home district of the 8th. So a lot of focus is going to be on holding that seat. Um, And the 8th did just get redistricted to be even more competitive. I believe Cooks is calling it a toss-up. Maybe just say a few words about the the work that we're going to need to do to keep this seat. Sure. I mean, if you look at Kim Schreier's district now, it is what I would call a tri-county district. She's got parts of Snohomish, King and Pierce County within her district, as well as other great places throughout the state. The way that we're going to look at this is you do it one voter at a time. I mean, despite the fact that it's a toss-up district, it's still was it's still constructed as a plus nine Biden district. So that means the voters are there. The voters that we need, we just need to turn them out and do the work around organizing to turn them out. So I think that that means um, look at the great work that's been happening uh, in Douglas County and Chelan County around voters and the changes that we've made. In 2017, folks in those counties were voting for Democrats about 32, 33% of the time. Now it's 45, 46% of the time, and they love some Kim Schreier because she goes there, she does the work. I mean, I think she's done more town halls in Wenatchee, just Mm -hmm. Wenatchee alone, than Dave Reichert did ever in any place in the 8th Congressional District during his time as a congressperson. But really what this means is going back to the stuff that we as Democrats and as activists know how to do, and that's direct voter contact. It means door knocking, it means phone banking, it means uh, just getting together with our neighbors and talking to people and making those conversations happen. You know, I think so many people, not only are their emotional um, sort of uh, bank accounts at an at all-time low, but their connection bank accounts are at an all-time low. And when you don't have that connection, when you don't have a chance to express yourself, ask questions, do that work, you're going to make up a lot of things about what's happening in the state of the world. That doesn't mean that things aren't dire and we need to do the work, but it does mean we need to talk to folks, make sure they're getting the facts and communicate with them and engage them to get back into doing this work. So that's what we need to do. It's organizers on the ground. It's people becoming neighborhood team leads. It's folks using the facts about what's happening in the district and in the country and in the state of Washington and relentlessly getting that out there and talking to folks to make that happen. I know, and it really breaks my heart. There are so many folks who have swallowed the lies 
of, you know, the GOP as it's constructed now, starting with Donald Trump and everything that he did starting in 2016. And we've got those people here in Washington state, people like Robert Sutherland and Vicki Kraft and Jim Walsh and all of these folks that are there that are spreading that same stuff. And it's like, we need to be there to stop it. We need to be there to make that happen. And I truly believe that people coming together, people coming together in every community, that's how Kim got elected in the first place, taking down Dino Rossi. That's how Kim is gonna win again, even though she's got three you know, Republican opponents who are now falling all over themselves to try to move to the right and activate that right Republican base. I don't think it's gonna work. People know who Kim Schreier is. They know that Kim Schreier as a doctor in the Congress makes a dramatic difference just by physically being there every day, but every day she works for her district. And I believe if we can just get voters turned out, that's gonna be the difference for Kim in this race. You talk about facts and that actually makes me think about messaging. That's something I, I wanna get into in depth with you in, in just a moment. But I'll just ask you before we move on from that, are there other federal races that you think we should be focusing on uh, either uh, here in Washington or in other states across the country? Well, let's talk about states first. I think probably the most difficult condition uh, is in Georgia right now. Georgia um, won't need donations. I mean, they will, but they'll get a ton of money, right, in making that race happen. But there's so many things happening systemically in Georgia around their voting laws that it's not a matter of turning out the votes. It's a matter of can they get those votes both turned out and counted um, the way that that's constructed in Georgia. So definitely we want to see Stacey Abram become governor of Georgia. We want to see Raphael Warnock return to the Senate. We want to see B. Wynn become the Secretary of State, give them a Democratic Secretary of State. So Georgia is a place where that work is going to happen. North Carolina is a place where we can pick up a Senate seat as, as well as do the work around uh, their maps, which are now going to the um, North Carolina Supreme Court and have fair districts and pick up a couple of congressional seats there. Pennsylvania for that Senate seat is gonna be a, a very important. Wisconsin with Ron Johnson going back on his pledge to mm-hmm. leave after two terms, that's gonna be a fight in Wisconsin. Great candidates in Wisconsin uh, to make that happen. Here in Washington state, we must, we must, we must make sure we return Patty Murray to the Senate. Um, I think many folks nationally think that that's a fait accompli. I think here in Washington state, we are going to have to fight for every single election and up our game in those places. You know, Senator Murray has a credible uh, opponent in somebody by the name of Tiffany Smiley, who's raised about $2 million so far. Um, I think Senator Murray has proven herself to the state of Washington time and time again, and I'm confident that the voters will reelect her, but I don't want them to just reelect her with 52 or 53% of the vote. I want them to reelect her overwhelmingly and send a message that these sorts of candidates like Tiffany Smiley, who is like this with Donald Trump, are not welcome here in the state of Washington. We did that with Lauren Culp. We've done that with other candidates. We wanna make sure that we're doing it at that race. And then I think the other race statewide here in Washington is the Secretary of State race. After 60 years, we finally have the Democratic Secretary of State in Steve Hobbs. Steve is uniquely positioned 
to be able to do this job in a way no one else ever has. Let me tell you a couple reasons why. Steve, um, because of his long military career, he's a colonel in the National Guard. Not only has he led the state's COVID response in the National Guard, but he has very high security clearance. So he understands cybersecurity issues very, very well. If there is one threat on Washington's election system, it's not from a legislative standpoint, the threat really is from outside actors and cybersecurity issues. And he gets it and he's beefing that up. He's also doing something that I think is um, groundbreaking really, and that every secretary of state should do, which is put together a disinformation unit so that when people are having things online and putting things online and saying things like, I don't know, folks, you're selling ballots out of the back of a car in Benton County. Um, they can quash that immediately and come out with the truth. So I think those are those sort of things that are really interesting. But people need to look at Steve in this role as opposed to when he was a state senator in his transportation chair role. They're very different. So I think that that's going to be important for him to reintroduce himself to the state of Washington and work through those things. But we want to get each and every one of our seven Democratic uh, um, Congress people reelected. Marilyn Strickland is coming up on her first reelect. We knew that for Kim Schreier, we had to work hard on that first reelect. We need to do the same thing for Marilyn. We need to do the same thing uh, all the way through for Pramila and for Derek and for Susan and for Adam and for um, Rick Larson as well and make sure that they are all reelected. And I'm gonna be looking really closely at a couple of very interesting candidates, particularly in the fourth and fifth congressional districts. Doug White, who's the declared Democrat against um, Dan Newhouse in the fourth district. Doug White has an interesting scenario in that there are two sort of really uh, far right sort of uh, candidates that are there in that district. Uh, Brad Clippert, uh, who's leaving the state legislature to run this race, as well as Lauren Culp is running against Dan Newhouse. So you've got this interesting three-way contested Republican primary that's going to be brutal. And it's just uh, enough of an opportunity and a little bit of a wedge for Doug to see what we can do in the fourth. We've also got a couple of terrific candidates in the fifth congressional district running up against Kathy McMorris Rogers. I wanna wait a little bit to see what their start looks like. And then we've got Republicans devouring themselves in the third congressional right, district yeah. with Joe Kent up against Jamie Herrera Butler and all these other sorts of folks. So that's an interesting mishmash of various candidates. There's a there's a great blue collar Democrat, Brent Heinrich, who's running in the third. Um, we'll see how he's able to run his race. But so there's possibility everywhere. And for me, that's what I look at. You can look at the conditions in these different races and say, well, these things are tough in the race. I'm like, that's great. We know that they're tough. Let's look at all the things where that the aspect of that that's really tough gives us an opportunity or gives us a way to think about this differently. So for me, it's turnout, turnout, turnout in all the different counties around the state. It's getting people excited about that. It's making sure that folks are looking for opportunities, particularly with diverse voters. We've just hired an incredible um, activist from the state of Texas, his name is Jesus Zamora, to run our Latinx program in Washington state. He's been organizing in the Houston area down to the border for a number of years. He was a recruit, uh, we recruited him to come up here and run our Latinx program in Washington state, and he's going to be fabulous. So I think there's opportunities there Latinx voters, Black voters, Asian Pacific Islander voters. Um, Native American voters and our strong Native vote program that gives us opportunity there, as well as getting young people out. So to me, 
there's there's a lot. It's a banquet. It is a banquet of potential, a banquet of voters. We've just got to get up there and take our plates up to the table and do the work. A banquet of potential. I, I love that. Uh, that, that. That belongs on, on merch, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, you know, I was just going to mention for listeners, uh, Steve Hobbs was appointed uh, Secretary of State, of course, after Republican Kim Wyman was called to the White House. So that's why he's running again. And of course, Jamie Herrera-Butler, as you mentioned, is uh, vulnerable in the third because she was one of the very few, I want to say 17, Republicans who actually voted to impeach following the insurrection. So that's something certainly to keep an eye on there. Uh, briefly, and I know that we're, we're probably running a little short on your time here, but I do want to touch on the legislature because I, I want to ask you if you see our Democratic majorities under threat at all? And if so, what we need to do to hold on to them? Sure. I think that we need to continue to do the work and take not a single race for granted. Remember, we have great senators like Emily Randall in the 26th district who um, won their race four years ago with less than uh, 100 votes. So we're going to need to make sure that uh, Emily has everything on the ground that she needs. We've already got organizers on the field there. She's running against um, Jesse Young, who's challenging her. Jesse Young, uh, state representative, who's now moving over to the challenge in the Senate seat. He's far right, Republican, sort of heinous. He'll he'll get money from that sort of group in, in making that happen. So that's a race that's gonna be an ugly race in that way. We need to protect in those races. We need to protect in the 30th district. When you look at Claire Wilson, who's up, and Jamila Taylor and Jesse Johnson, especially since they have been at the forefront in incredible changes in education, in making sure that there is um, fact-based sex education, in making changes to our police and how they're able to do their work in Washington state and do it effectively to care for people, not to do it in such a way that you are hurting people they will be vulnerable and they will get a challenge from the right. Um, Mona Doss, our incredible state senator in the 47th. You know, Mona upset uh, an entrenched Republican. The Republicans did not like that. They will come after Senator Doss. But what I know about Mona Doss is that she is relentless and we're <laughs> going to make sure that she's reelected. And we have more than just protects out there. We have pickup opportunities in the 42nd district up in the Bellingham area, especially uh, Sharon Shoemake is running for Senate. She was going to give a good, a great challenge to Doug Erickson in that seat with, uh, with uh, Senator Erickson's untimely passing from COVID related um, uh, illness. I think that that is now a wide open seat and Sharon Shoemake has proven herself as a state representative. She is you know, an economics professor at Western Washington State University. Who wouldn't want an economics nerd in the state Senate as we're it's, looking- It's actually economics and environment. So yeah, there's the double exactly. trouble there, yeah. yeah she, and double trouble is a great way of thinking of Sharon Shoemake too. I know. <laughs> She's so awesome, I love her. She's got the best TikTok channel of any um, legislator that's out there and she's doing it with her kids and she is awesome. So we have tremendous opportunities all the way through. We've got to fight for the people who are there right now. We've got to increase what happens in these different races. We've also, you know, the 10th uh, legislative district is a place with Dave Paul. Uh, there's a couple of great candidates that are running there against the Republican that we're excited about. I mean, all the way through these races, there are fantastic people here who represent us now, who've done the work. And I'm just excited about what we can do moving forward with these folks. And I can't wait to get on the doors. You know, the rain and the snow have kind of stopped us from starting these two weeks, but our phone banks are up, our volunteers are up. We're setting up neighborhood team leads. So 
we're, we've got a lot of great things going on. Well, what a perfect transition, because this is uh, where I wanted to go next, was to talk about uh, the, the challenge of messaging, particularly for people who are on the doors uh, who will be watching this broadcast. And you know, I think there's kind of a tricky balance between calling out the things that Democrats have uh, accomplished or, or correcting the record on that, uh, and, and then being honest with people and really honest with them about where the Democrats have come up short, and then also threading in a discussion about the, the threat posed by the GOP. It's a, it's a big question, but I'll just ask you, how do you think we strike this balance on the doors? You bet. I think we start by listening. I think when you're going to the doors, you have to listen and talk to the voters and understand what issue is most important to them. Is it a healthcare issue? Is it an education issue? What are they worried about in their lives? Get to know them as a person first. I mean, one of the things that we did in 2020 as we mounted our coordinated campaign was to make sure we have COVID resources for everyone and where they could get uh, information, how they can do these things. We're gonna do the same things here. Where can people get tested? How do they get their free masks and free kits as those things are happening? How they can access uh, different resources throughout their entire community. Because first, it's important for people to remember that Democrats care. Democrats are out there doing this work because we care about our country, we care about them, we care about this incredible union and this incredible experiment that is American democracy, and we don't want to lose it, and we want everyone to really have every opportunity that they possibly can. So I think that that's where we start. You start with that human connection. You talk about why you're there, what you care about, what's going to happen in these different areas, and then make it personal to what's happening with folks. If, if their issue is healthcare then what can we do in terms of the changes in the universal healthcare system, the changes at the federal level in terms of things like insulin prices that uh, you know have, have a cap and, and that um, uh, Dr. Schreier was a big part of in, in making sure that happens because she's a diabetic as well and she knows these issues. But if you can't answer the question at the door, get the, let's get the information back to that voter because we're not gonna just see them once. We wanna go back twice, we wanna go back three times, we wanna engage them in a conversation and make sure that their questions are getting answered because there's been so much fear, uncertainty, and doubt put into our entire country since the rise of Donald Trump and Trumpism, since the Republicans have moved over to fall lockstep in Trump about all of these different components. We've got to break that down and break that down at a very personal level. So we'll have lots of great opportunities for people to talk about those things, and we'll have lots of people out there talking about them. I love what you say, that listening and, and really talking about you know, the Democrats are the, the party that cares. Ultimately, we're the party that cares whether we have a, a, a democracy here in a couple of years. I'll just ask you uh, about a couple of real specifics here, because according to a Crosscut Elway poll that was commissioned uh, a few weeks back, the economy and I believe uh, the pandemic are the two most important things, and I think uh, on, on voters' minds. And I think those are going to be things that we're going to hear on the doors. So, you know, we just had a 7% increase uh, in, in cost of consumer goods year over year. Uh, people were very sick of the pandemic. And I, I have a feeling those are two things that we're going to hear about. So, you know, we can talk about the things the Democrats have accomplished, certainly the 3.9% unemployment rate, the bipartisan infrastructure deal, the rescue plan. But I don't, I, 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 so, I somehow wonder it, how we do that without negating people's lived experience. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, you don't negate somebody's lived experience. I mean, it's been very, very clear that the pandemic has taken its toll, not just on people's health, 
but on their wealth, it's taken their toll on their relationships, it's taken a toll on how they see themselves moving through the world. We talk about things like the great resignation, for example, and people saying, hey, do I want to change what I'm doing? Why am I doing this work? What's happening there? And we talk about the incredible people who have been out there as well doing this work, whether they're first responders, whether it's medical care, whether it's everyone who surrounds people who are doctors and nurses, our technicians, our janitors, or you know, everyone who is a part of that, people at our grocery stores who are essential workers um, who are making this happen for each and every one of us, and it is taking their, its toll. That is the reality of the situation. But you don't fix the situation without all of us being all in. And it's, and it's clear to me that many Americans are not in to fix the situation. These are the folks who are not getting vaccinated. They're not being masked. They're fine with spreading the virus and working through these things. They're not willing to uh, be a part of the solution to do that. And uh, there are many great public health officials who are working on that aspect of the problem, but we have to be all in to do that. In the meantime, we've got to be able to show people hope. So being able to extend childcare tax credits, being able to do what we do in Washington state in terms of family leave and sick pay, making that happen throughout the entire country, doing the work that we need to do to drive down the cost of consumer goods in that way. And there are so many things that are aspects of that with the pandemic. Um, and whether you're looking at aspects of grocery prices, whether you're looking at other sorts of things, whether you're looking at gas prices, all of these things, uh, Democrats care and Democrats are picking away at these different problems to make that happen. I think it's really important to make the contrast to say, what are the Republicans doing? They're doing nothing. They're doing nothing to help solve the problem. They're not coming up with solutions. But more than that, they're yelling at the people who are trying to fix things. That's the equivalent of you know, yelling at a plumber who's trying to fix your the broken line and he's got all these different pieces, you know nothing about plumbing, which is pretty clear with the Republicans. They know nothing about plumbing or infrastructure or the economy or medicine for sure. And just screaming and screaming and screaming at somebody's shoulders that they're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. We've got to make sure that people get those sorts of images in their minds and others to really understand, okay, what's happening and take a breath and we've got to give them immediate relief. If you're at the door and somebody is struggling, if they're struggling with healthcare, if they're struggling with their job, there are ways for us to help. And that's a big part of Democrats care is to make sure we're connecting people with immediate relief for food help, with immediate relief for looking for jobs, with immediate relief for, hey, what can we do to make sure that um, the situations that are, that are a part of your family, whether it's caring for a senior or your kids or some other things that we start to show some relief in those different areas. And I know that every single democratic legislator throughout the state Every single Democratic administrator and government throughout the state cares about making that happen. And we'll show that, tell those stories. But when we hit those doors, let's talk to people, find out what they're concerned about, what's happening in their minds and what's happening in their lives. And not just ask for their vote, but let's help them make a change in their lives as well. Related to that, and, and you touched on this a little bit, I, I do wonder how much we want to emphasize the existential threat that the Republican Party poses to this country and, and the fact that really a vote for any Republican may put our democracy in peril. There's also an open discussion about how much, if at all, to, to acknowledge or talk about Trump uh, in the, you know, when we're out messaging with, with voters. What's your take on all that? I think 
that um, there is an existential threat to our democracy with this Republican Party. I mean, you, you take a look at uh, the at the uh, incidents last year of January 16th. That was an insurrection. The Republican Party, in my mind, are, are not upholding the values of the democracy. Uh, what they're doing is uh, pure purely venal, you know, for their own greed, for their own power, for their own uh, just, you know, a sense of like, we are uh, running this, we're running this from a very much a minority position in the United States and very much of, of a position of looking at it, not looking at the issues of racism, of sexism, of homophobia, of transphobia, of economic issues and economic scale and classism. When you're concentrating so much wealth at such a small portion of the um, country in, in just the hands of a few folks and looking at billionaires and seeing what's happening with that, that is something that is not healthy for a nation. It's not healthy for a nation's economy. It's not healthy for any sense of democracy. And it's certainly not healthy in building a middle class in this country. So we need to be talking about that with different folks and give them the sense of, look, in this American democracy, it's always been fragile. It's been fragile from the beginning. And it's always been imperfect from the beginning. Go back to the, you know, the Constitution, the, you know, the, the Declaration of Independence and things. I didn't have the right to vote. You know, many other people didn't have the right to vote. Black Americans were only valued at three fifths of a human being for heaven's sakes, but we've made progress since then. We need to keep emphasizing that if we want to make progress and have the things that we value about America in terms of opportunity, in terms of every voice and every vote mattering and being counted, those votes need to be cast for Democrats or else we run the risk very desperately of a democracy in decline, of losing the nation, of losing our opportunities, of being in essentially Trump land. And yes, time to mention Donald Trump and everyone who's lined up behind him, whether it's Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, people like Robert Sutherland here in Washington state, people like Lauren Culp, people like Tiffany Smiley. These are Republicans who do not care about you. They care about being in power and making that happen and not about our nation. They are not patriots in any way. And I am not afraid to talk about their lack of patriotism and their lack of love, their lack of love for America, their lack of love for the people who are a part of this country and this beautiful nation of immigrants, their lack of love for Native Americans uh, as well, their lack of love for everyone in this country and the opportunities that our country has brought in many, many lives and can continue to bring in many, many lives. So yeah, I'm gonna get up on that soapbox. I'm gonna talk about that. I'm gonna ask them what about that in their own lives and talk about the lies, the deceit, the misinformation that's coming from the Republican side of uh, the, the political spectrum and how that's really about not helping a single person, but helping a few people on the Republican side get rich, keep stay in power, and run a country that they believe should be run essentially uh, for the benefit of very, very few. I, I like how you frame all this. You, you, you have managed to frame it in a very positive way. It, it is the lack of love. It's the absence of love. Um, I, I would like to wrap up by talking about motivation, pretty much what we started uh, today. And, you know, I, I would like to have you speak directly to a lot of people who I know are going to need to hear what you uh, have to say. But first, I'd love to get your thoughts on some people who may not be listening. So we know that we need more people than ever to get involved in this election cycle if we're going to win because we're facing headwinds. 
there's a whole segment of people that we know. We know these people care. Um, we know that they care because they spend a lot of time on social media talking about how bad things are, right? But they are not in the game. Yeah. Is there a way to activate these people, do you think? I think we have to do that person by person to activate folks. I think we do have to pull them out of the, you know, the black hole of social media in some ways um, and make sure that they are doing things IRL in real life, you know, get out there, talk to people, meet in these small groups, take a little step here and there. Think about it as, uh, you know, we need a program for democracy. You know, maybe I should do an app on the phone of everything that you should do every week for democracy. The first thing is make sure you're registered to vote and everybody in your family is. The second thing is get engaged in a campaign or with us at the Washington State Democrats or local democratic groups and learn about the issues. The next thing is take the step, get out there to a meeting to talk to folks, whether it's a meeting on Zoom or whether it's a meeting, you know, where they're with people uh, safely masked and, and, and doing this work. And then let's get out on the doors. Let's do these phone banks. Let's talk to people and make your world bigger. I think what happens in the, for, with the Republican Party and how they put out these lies is their desire is to make the world very, 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 very small. Their desire is to make sure that there is nobody sticking out their head of any sort of difference or any difference of opinion and to just keep parroting the same points over and over and over again. And it breaks my heart that so many people who have um, just needs when it comes to their own families, their own jobs, their own lives have fallen for those talking points from the Republicans and just parrot them because it, it is something that makes them feel a little safe, maybe takes all of this craziness that's happening in the world and puts it into a box for them that seemingly they can understand. But it is a false box. It is a false set of information. It is not what's really happening and it's to their detriment. So those of us here as Democrats, we need to make sure that we're not afraid to speak up, to use the facts and to talk to other people and to do that face-to-face. -face. That doesn't mean that you, if you're taking your first step, need to go out and confront a proud boy. That's not what I'm talking about here. But go talk to your neighbor, take that step, take responsibility for something that people have fought and died for, not just in the United States, but around the globe, and that is your sacred right to vote. That is the one thing that makes a difference. That is the one thing that makes America different is free and fair elections in all of these places and spaces. And we need to make certain that we take that back in this cycle in 2022 in our elections, take back our democracy, take back our country and recognize that it's not just doing it once. I think so many of us, you know, as a result of the 2020 election, we breathed a sigh of relief. We took off all this heaviness that we had been um, really carrying for such a long time. And I got news for you. It's sort of like whatever that you do, if it's exercising, if it's you know all these things, you can't stop. You gotta keep doing it. Maybe you don't do it as intensely as you might. we might ask you to be doing it in August for the primary election or in uh, November for the general election, but you've gotta keep doing it every day. And today's the day to take that first step. So that's my ask for folks. You know, go to our website at Washington Dems, go to the Indivisible websites in every part of the state. Um, make sure that you've signed up, whether it's for Indivisible or Swing Left or some of the great organizations like Code Blue that are out there as well in Washington state, whether it's for the Democrats locally or statewide, take that one step and get engaged and stay engaged because when good people turn away, 
bad things happen. And when good people stand together, we make a difference. We've done it again and again and again in this great American democracy experiment. We can continue to do it and we can make it better. And I just believe that from the bottom of my heart. I can't wait to get out there and see so many people around the state. I'm gonna be everywhere. Um, <laughs> and I wanna listen to everybody's stories and making that happen because I believe, I believe in this. I'm a first generation kid. I mean, my, both my mom and dad were refugees from World War II. My mom swam a river with her sister with a bundle of clothes over her head, running from the Nazis to try to get to uh, you know, a safe place and get to a place like the United States where she was able to get a great union job, live her dream, see her daughter go to college, be the first kid in the family to go to college and be in this privileged place of being able to get great people elected. Every one of us has a story of somebody in our family, in our background, who has sacrificed, who has done that for us. Well, now it's time for us to sacrifice for our democracy, sacrifice for our country, our friends, our family, our neighbors. And if that sacrifice is knocking a few doors, I got to say, that's a heck of a lot easier than, you know, swimming a river, running away from Nazis. But you know what? It makes a damn bit of difference in every place, in every space. So, I'm just I'm just excited about that and and I feel full of resolve, you know, for all of us here and just to make that happen, we can do this. Well, there you have a gang. Um <laughs> this was precisely why I again why I asked you Tina and I I think you know this, but you're one of the the reasons why I got involved with activism to begin with and I I, I saw you speak um in a very similar way at a meeting <laughs> in uh 2017 and I was like I think I can do this. <laughs> so you have this effect on people, and I'm just so grateful that you were able to take the time uh, to do this today. As always, such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for this week. Thank you again to Tina Podlodowski. Thanks also to Alex Bond. If you would like to see a video replay of this or anything that you hear on the show, head to facebook.com slash indivisiblepodcast. Our email address is indivisiblepodcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at indivisiblepod. Special thanks to Lori Caldwell. And as always, my thanks to you for listening. I'm Stephen Cox, and we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>